How much is Justin Trudeau's just transition going to cost the Canadian economy? Someone far smarter than Justin Trudeau ran the numbers, and she joins me today. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. just transition is really the Green New Deal by another way, because Justin Trudeau has never had an independent thought in his entire life. So he tends to regurgitate the things that other people tell him. Other people like people at the World Economic Forum and at the United Nations and the Democrats in the United States. The just transition is Justin Trudeau's plan to rewrite the Canadian economy away from reliable fossil fuel based industries like farming and manufacturing, and oil and gas toward some green economy that doesn't exist yet, reliant on green energy that isn't reliable yet. Now, Chris Sims, my friend from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, whom I feel like we maybe were hatched from the same egg, she ran the numbers on this, and it's appalling. Billions upon billions of dollars will be vaporized from the Canadian economy, along with all the jobs associated with it. So Chris Sims joins me now in an interview we recorded yesterday afternoon to tell us about the financial catastrophe Justin Trudeau's Green New Deal will cause if indeed he does pursue it. And if I know anything about Justin Trudeau, he's not all that eager to back off of a bad idea. Here's Chris. So joining me now is my friend Chris Sims of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. And I wanted to have Chris on the show because, well, we talked last week. She's um, such a strong advocate for Albertans, and she's just a brand new baby Albertan, (laughs) (laughs) fresh from B.C. But boy, does she love it here and we love having her. Um, But Chris, you wrote this incredible piece about this thing that everybody seems to be talking about, and it's sort of cloaked in friendly language. But when you really break down what just transition means, it's anything but just and it's definitely not justified. And it's going to cost billions of dollars. I think it's you have it pinned down to like two tenths of a trillion. Is yeah. that, like it's a lot. <laughs> it's a crazy amount of money. Uh, and this is why we had to break it down with a lot of questions. Okay, so I think we should back up and explain what just transition is as best I can, because it just it's new speak, new world order gobbledygook, to be fair. Mm -hmm. Uh, So at first, it sounds like one of those jokes on plays on words from the House of Commons. Remember about nine months ago or a year ago when they got Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to say just inflation like over and over again in the House of Commons? And he didn't notice he was saying his name. Last weeks, what have we seen from the Conservatives telling Canadians that the problems they're facing with increased affordability, uh, increased prices on everything, difficulty buying gas, difficulty buying computers, they've just shrugged and said, oh, it's just inflation. Well, it's not just inflation, Mr. Speaker. It is a focus that we have to have. Minister's response was just incredible. He said, (laughs) even after house prices increased by a third, he didn't think about monetary policy. Even after gas prices hit a buck sixty in some places, 
He didn't think about monetary policy. Even as CPI hit a two-decade high, he didn't think much about monetary policy because he only thinks about himself. Won't he admit that what it took for him to start thinking about inflation is when we put his name in the word? <laughs> Yeah, and it's all a big joke and because it's mostly high school, right, in, in House of Commons. So just transition sounds like that. But no, it's not. It's actually the official name of an official plan of the government of Canada. So that includes the cabinet, the elected members of parliament and the politicians sitting on the government side and the bureaucracy, the unelected bureaucrats that we all pay for. So the permanent government that we don't elect. Um, and what it is, is basically uh, their plan to get to net zero or whatever term you want to use to get to the agreed to amount of carbon emissions uh, internationally. So holding ourselves to our own you know, plans that we've agreed to the Canadian version is called just transition. And what it means is just transitioning away from carbon-based fuels. So oil and gas to normal people speaking. Um, what's weird here and interesting is that other countries have their own plans, but all the ones that I saw use the word just in it too. It's super weird. <laughs> like, yeah. I know it's like this weird club. Um, and so Scotland calls theirs their Just New Deal. And so this all blew up a few weeks ago when Blacklock's reporter, which, as you know, does amazing work there amazing. in Ottawa, just praise be, um, they found a memo that went to Jonathan Wilkinson. Jonathan Wilkinson is our natural resources minister. And the memo was from the bureaucrats, so his, his bureaucratic staff within the department, to him to his himself and his political staff. And it was 80 something pages, if I recall correctly, big long honking memo. And it was to explore the potential impacts of just transition on the economy. And this is where we get to your to the numbers you mentioned. They're mind blowing. Okay. On in total, it would affect, they say in the memo, 2.7 million workers. So 2.7 million individual jobs and positions. So those are human beings that have those jobs. If you added up how much money that costs per year, just in the salaries, just in the average stats can run in the mill salaries for those roles, it's about 219 billion per year. Okay. <sighs> so this is when your alarm bells are going off saying, <laughs> holy cow, how much money are you going to spend here? And this is where we need to tap the brakes, I think. Yeah. Um, and what has happened is those numbers came out. Everybody justifiably freaked out, especially here in Alberta. Like, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? 2.7 million. Yeah. We're talking energy workers, truckers, farmers, manufacturing, you know, the people who build our homes and keep us warm and feed us, farmers. Um, what are you doing? And then Ottawa went into Ottawa mode. And that's where they try to explain slash spin slash whatever to say, oh, no, no, no. Um, the memo was merely mentioning the totality of the roles within all of these sectors affected, not necessarily, Sheila, the ones that are going to be turned upside down by just transition. 
So that's where Franco and I stepped in. Franco took the big lead on this. He's our federal director, a good Alberta boy living out there in Mordor in Ottawa. Um, And he did the math on this. And he's like, okay, fair enough. But if you add up all these jobs, it's $219 We can't afford a fraction of that. Yeah. Right. We just can't afford a fraction of that. And so this is why uh, he he and I teamed up to write the the national piece. He did the big lead on it. And then I wrote a, basically an Alberta version of yeah. it because you might as well have just renamed this thing. Just break Alberta. Yeah. Uh, when you and I were talking earlier this week about just how atrocious this is, I mean, you've narrowed it down to Alberta because it is true. This will disproportionately affect the West, not that the bureaucrats in Ottawa care about those sorts of things. But being a Westerner, I sure do. Um, But just as a percentage of the economy as a whole. So when I checked, because I was sort of astounded at the numbers, um, to lose, I think it was 2.7 million jobs out of Mm -hmm. the workforce. Canada has a workforce of about 19 million people. That's approximately just nuking 14% of the workers in the entire country. But I think you have to remember, that's a, if you spread that out evenly across the country, but that would be disproportionate in the West, where the farmers and the energy workers are. And I think the liberals seem to think this is the acceptable cost of doing business here. And. I share your suspicion and your caution, which is why I said, you know what, (laughs) we need in on this and we need to sound the alarm bell. Because again, even if it's just a fraction, we don't have the money for this. And it's wrong to throw people out of work like this. And to be really paint a picture here, um, like we said, this is farmers, energy workers, construction workers, manufacturing, um, truckers. These are the people who get the energy out of the ground that keep our homes, you know, warm and dry. These are the people who literally feed us. They're farmers and the truckers who deliver everything we eat and use. So these are kind of important jobs. And that is why we need to pay attention to this. And also (laughs) this leads us back into the previous treatment of the West by this government. So even if we were to try to be as charitable as possible and take these bureaucrats at face value, as if we've never met them before, (laughs) and say, okay, sure, fine. This is all a big misunderstanding. Nothing to see here. Just trust us. Well, (laughs) should we really? Should we? Should we? Because let's look at their past track record, right? They've got the no more pipelines bill. They dragged their feet on Trans Mountain for so long and so hard that they nationalized it because Kinder Morgan threw up its hands and went away. By the way, the costs there tripled. Right. Kinder, Kinder Morgan was going to spend $7 billion of their own money. Instead, Trudeau's spending $21 billion of our money. So that tanker ban, right? Uh, they've been fiddling around with nitrogen for farmers' fertilizers. Um, yeah, not such a great track record when it comes to treating people well who work in the energy sector, farming, whatnot. So one of my favorite quotes, I learned it on an Oprah show like probably 20 years ago. I think it was Maya Angelou. She said something to the effect of uh, when people tell you who they are, believe them. Yeah. 
I, you know, we think the federal government, the Trudeau government has certainly told us repeatedly who they are. And we should probably believe them, especially when their departmental bureaucrats put out a big honking long memo to their minister saying, hey, folks, this is how much this is going to be impacted or affected. Now, the devil's in the details. What do they mean by impacted? What do they mean by affected? How much is it going to cost? And I know I'm rambling on, but I found something that I found really interesting in the memo. And it was about Scotland. Mm -hmm. So what you do, like, you know, from journalistic practice all this time is dig in, read the whole document with an open mind, find your data. What we found was that they praised Scotland. They said, here is an example of something we're really interested in. Basically a how to. This is what we would model. Scotland's just new deal is costing them the Canadian equivalent of $35 billion. That's their own data. This is not something we looked up elsewhere. $35 billion, folks, just for their just new deal. That's not including a whole bunch of other financing and weird stuff they're doing on this in Scotland. That's just the cost of this program. So that is why we need to pay close attention to this. Even if the numbers sound unbelievable, we should pay close attention and get some answers. And so far, we're not getting any. Well, and, you know, when you and I, again, we were talking earlier in the week about this, I tried to sort of put this into context so that, I, you know, I like to test my theories. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, is the West being treated unfairly here? Or am I just a hypersensitive Albertan about these sorts of things? And I thought, okay, well, let's put this into context with auto manufacturing. I looked up the numbers, roughly 30,000 people work in the associated auto manufacturing industry, which is by and large, an Eastern Canadian, East Central Canadian sort of thing. And for some reason, the liberals are very fiercely protective of the auto manufacturing sector. And I thought, okay, there's 30,000 of them, which means that the, if the numbers hold true, 14% of the economy or 14% of the workforce was would be nuked from across the country. Let's do this to the auto sector. And it would mean that the liberals would introduce a policy that would eliminate 4,200 jobs from the auto manufacturing sector. Would they ever do that? Definitely never. In fact, they routinely subsidize the auto industry to make electric cars that nobody wants to buy anyway, but here they, and don't work very well, but they continue to do it to protect those jobs. And we don't really want our jobs protected here in Alberta. We just want to be left alone to do them. We don't need your money. We just like get out of our way. But mm -hmm. The liberals would move heaven and earth to protect just a fraction of those jobs in the auto sector. But for them, again, it's just fine and dandy because we're we're not losing anything. Uh, we're not losing any liberal votes if we continue to attack the West to please our friends at the United Nations or the World Economic Forum with our policies. You hit upon something important there because we noticed a discrepancy in there, too. Uh, so if we were, again, to take the bureaucrats at face value and say, OK, fine, you're talking about the totality of all of the roles within these sectors, uh, they way lowballed the number of people working in manufacturing then. Because yeah. Statistics Canada's stats on how many millions of people work in manufacturing, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but they're like up here. And within the memo, it's way down here. And the weird thing is, is all the rest of the numbers were pretty roughly accurate for the totality of those roles. So in energy, farming, and trucking, they were pretty close 
but they weren't close for manufacturing. They were way lower in the memo for manufacturing than they actually are in the totality of that sector. So it leads us to your question exactly of, okay, well, where are you expecting these impacts to happen? And is that going to mostly happen out here out West? Or are you just measuring it differently? Like, are you calling, you know, a form of farming manufacturing? Like, who knows? Um, How are you measuring this? And again, we're not getting these answers. And we would really like to see some of the questions and question period be along these lines. Uh, We're hearing from Canadian Taxpayers Federation supporters, as you can imagine, saying, "Uh, hello, where are the politicians on this? Why, other than our premier and other than like provincial leaders, where are the federal politicians on this jumping up and down saying what's on what's going on to just transition and what are you going to do with our job and how much is this going to cost? Uh, we need those answers. Yeah. And why are some jobs more important than others? Why are some jobs worthy of protection than others? We all just can't be nipple greasers on the wind farms of the future. Like we, we that's <laughs> Like, you know I've what I mean? Heard, I'm, I didn't know where you were going with that. And I'd never heard that term before. And I'm like, is this for dairy? What is she talking about? Oh, please let this be dairy. Oh, it's wind. Oh, it's good. Wind. It's wind. <laughs> Dear God. Okay. So, no, we can't all be that, Sheila. We can't all be that. That reminds me of the time when I was at Sunday's Network. Rest it peacefully, kind of. Um, and we were spending taxpayers' money on um, how do I put this? Adult films. Oh, I believe it. And it, but what was really getting me is it wasn't even Canadian actors. Darn it! We were importing adult films and paying for it from France. And so I ran around with an iPad showing it to members of Parliament, <laughs> saying, "Do you think that we should spend money on this? It's not even Canadian jobs." So anyway, I'm I'm glad it was wind. Um, (laughs) You know, that reminds me of, remember, I think it was Judy Scrow. Look, it's reminisce hour with Sheila and Chris. Um, But but Judy Scrow, I think she was like helping foreign trained workers get into the country and they were exotic dancers from Eastern Europe. Filling the gap in the workforce, Judy. There were a few (laughs) cartoons out about that one. But yeah, this is why we're asking, uh, where are these jobs going to be cut? How many of them are there? Uh, How much is this going to cost? Because again, $219 billion. If you added up all of the jobs listed in this government memo, it's $219 billion. And even if they say, oh, well, that's not, you know, we're not going to nuke all of them. Okay. But even if you nuke a fraction of them, that's still billions of dollars. And thousands and thousands and thousands of people out of work in really essential roles. So what are we doing here? And I really like the reference to Scotland because that's hard data. I went and checked. Yes, they are indeed doing this on their Scottish website. It's right on the government website. And they reference it right here in the memo. So if they're using Scotland as an example, out loud with their face, and it's $35 billion, we should probably know what's going on there. Well, and there's all these trickle down effects of supply chain issues. So now you have Canadian farmers unable to be productive and going out of business because they are just jobs up on the altar of climate change. And so now you have to source your food, which would have been locally sourced. And, you know, now they tell me they care about greenhouse gas emissions, but trucking your food from somewhere else on the world into Canada doesn't seem all that uh, green to me. Um, so there's all these extra ramifications. And then, you know, you we've seen how fragile supply chains are. One shutdown somewhere 
Yep. It can make it impossible for you to get plywood. <laughs> yeah. For some reason. And, and it's, there are those things that these lessons we've all just lived through in the last three years that the liberals just refuse to learn. Yeah. And this is where it gets frustrating because they keep trying to do these. I, I said it in one of my pieces, I think. There's something typical about bureaucrats quite often is if you let them, they like playing like it's almost like a world builder video game. Or Sims. Like, We're yeah. Sims. <laughs> Sims, right? And it's yeah. just, you know, I didn't and but it's on our time and using our money. Yeah. And they they try to interfere in stuff that they don't understand. It's too complex a system, but that doesn't stop them from throwing a, a monkey wrench into the works. And then it takes months and months and months to go back and figure out what it is they did that caused the delay in the first place. And by then, people have got shortages. Uh, prices have skyrocketed because of a shrinking supply with the increased demand. This is a major problem. And so we get real nervous when we see government bureaucrats um, tinkering with something as important as energy, trucking, farming, construction, manufacturing, like these are all huge industries that make life as we know it in modern Canada possible. So forgive us if we get nervous when there's literally a memo explaining what they're going to do. And we're asking them to confirm that this is indeed what they're going to do. So we're glad that Premier Smith sounded the alarm bell. We're glad that we've got Colin here in Alberta who are all doing the same, yourself included. Uh, but we're not seeing this resonate as much as it should yet in Ottawa. And I think there's just too much out there. There's just so much waste and so much going on. Uh, like you were talking before we started chatting about the long-term contracts uh, in order to pay attention to it. So this is why we're trying to get the data out there. Yeah. Uh, let's just touch on McKinsey really quick yeah. because um, I have the, I have my conspiracy theories and I think they're probably conspiracy facts. I just have to wait a little bit um, about why the government hires these expensive outside contractors to do work, which normally could easily be done within a federal bureaucracy if they would, as you say, put their pants on and actually just go into the office. Um, that would be helpful. Um, and I don't want to grow the size and scope of government. That's the last. Oh, they're thing already they doing that on their own. They, they, they don't, don't, need, they don't need my help. No, um, no. <laughs> I just want them to do their job. But the government seems to be contracting with these outside consulting firms to do work that could be done within a ministry. And I think they're doing it to obscure transparency and access to information because I can't get my hands on those emails from McKinsey who just got an 80 year contract. Um, but I can get my hands on bureaucrats emails. So I think this is an extra layer of um, just obscuring whatever's happening, whatever the government is spending money on what they have in store for the public by putting it in the hands of a third party. And then, like you said, you can't find the information. Because yeah. it is not government. So this leads us to, you know, the CTF, Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we were started 30 years ago for low taxes, less waste, and government accountability. Mm -hmm. And this is the accountability pillar that's really missing here. You're right. So number one, it sounds like it's costing a heck of a lot of money and way too much. And number two, it doesn't sound like it's accountable either. So it's no wonder it's getting so much press. We're really glad that they're hammering on this. And again, we always need to do the, the, the accountability check by asking ourselves, would we be freaking out if another government were doing this? If another party were in power and they were doing the same thing, would we be freaking out? The answer is yes. Absolutely yes. 80-year uh, contracts, like what is this, medieval England? Right. Like, <laughs> no, right. no. 
you know, is this a deal with the king just taking your like, no, this is not what we do, or at least you're not supposed to. It actually reminded me of uh, back years ago in Ontario, it was provincial. And this is how they totally screwed up their hydro system and made hydroelectric power unaffordable for normal people in Ontario, which should be unthinkable because the amount of hydroelectric power, even that something like Niagara Falls generates, is a ton of, of energy. You should be able to harness that for very cheap. But what they did is in many cases, they signed 20 and 30 year contracts with friendly outfits to provide solar and wind energy at a huge markup. Like, I mean, gigantic markup. For the sake of argument, say the average energy cost rate on the market was about two cents per kilowatt hour. They were signing solar contracts for 20 years for 80 cents a kilowatt hour. Guess who makes up the 78 cents? The rate payer. Wow. Energy they're never using, Sheila, ever. They're just handing it to them. And they might as well have a big bag of money with like a symbol on it. It's (laughs) so, you know, ridiculous. This reminds me of that, but it's worse. I thought 20-year contracts was crazy. 80? Yeah. Chancellor Hadrian Trudeau is going to be doing business with um, (laughs) McKinsey from his deathbed while he's just being while he has like his IV drip of whatever is going to keep the last Trudeau alive. Um, he's so oh, don't worry. Be- <laughs> There'll be more. <laughs> oh, I know. He's just going to keep doing business with McKinsey forever. Um, we should name a, a territory after them. <laughs> right. And so it's funny that you mentioned that uh, because I'm always teaching my kids. Just wait. You'll have your own prime minister, Trudeau. Just wait. Just keep an eye. <laughs> we should never do a car trip together. They just want to get out. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, no, this is a major problem. I'll joke like I'm laughing because otherwise I, I will know, cry. cry. And you have to do the Patch Adams things, right? Um, yeah. Put your clown toes on and get people excited. Um, but this is a serious problem. And yeah. I'm worried. How do I put this? I'm worried that people have been so battered, especially over the last three years, that they feel they don't have a voice. Yeah. They feel like it's so much money and it's so much waste that it's just too big for them to take on. And I just wanted to encourage them that if we all speak up together at the same time, there's a chance that we can start chewing on the foot of that elephant and at least annoy it enough that it moves on. So I just want to encourage folks like, you know, the more we speak up, the more we push back, the more we band together and we do critical mass, um, there's a chance that we could get them to move on this stuff. You know, it's true. We've seen them sort of slow down on their gun grab because mm-hmm. of public pressure. We've seen them slow down on their acceleration of the medical assistance and dying protocols to include the um, mentally ill. They've pumped the brakes on that. And that is directly related to pressure from the public and uh, interest groups like your own. Now, I wanted to, before I let you go, I want to talk to you about this other multi billion dollar boondoggle that everybody just sort of seems to be shrugging about. Um, and that is the Serb uh, erroneous payments. Um, some estimates are 15, some estimates are 30 billion. But the good news is from the CRA is that it's too much like the work they're paid to do to try to recoup some of it. I've seen a number that says 1,550 convicts who are oh. serving time in the pen received <laughs> Serb and they try like and the CRA tried to explain it saying, well, some of them were serving it on the weekend. Um, and some of them 
qualified for CERB before they started their sentence. So that's how they ended up with these successive payments. Um, but they said, but don't worry, because if somebody was in a federal pen and that was their address, then we just didn't send the payment. So I guess if they like gave a address of their cronies house, they could get the CERB. And I think that's how we ended up in this place. Sounds like a good plan, right? I'm not surprised. So to be fair, when this first hit and everybody was going bananas, uh, we said, okay, fine. You're shutting down businesses on purpose as an act of government. Help those people, obviously, because we don't sure. want them to starve. Like, you know, call us compassionate, right? Um, but then we said, make sure that you're following up. And this is only for as long as it's necessary and whatever. Um, in fine government fashion, it sounds like they just didn't pay attention. To your point, these are folks in penitentiary. Um, spoiler alert, we have records through the courts that right. tell us when right. people are doing time. It's <laughs> literally a function of the government. So if they don't know those folks are, are not you know, eligible, just imagine. And so this is where it's frustrating, where we've got billions of dollars because that's so hard to grasp, right? I think they take advantage of people's um, mental kick out over a certain amount of money. I personally can imagine about $30,000 because that's like a new truck or a right. new to me truck, right. not like a brand new truck, but like a new to me truck. Nice one. But after that, you start having to break it down. So if you've got, let's do it this way. If you've got $5 billion, you can build four brand new, nice hospitals from startup to finish with that amount of money. So what the CRA, I think, is doing here is, you know what? That's a lot of money. Sounds a lot like work. And we're not going to do it. What's really frustrating, Sheila, is that in some cases, the folks who are employed at the CRA, they're demanding wage increases of around 30%. Right. Like, I'm not joking. And there's other unions within the PSAC umbrella, which is the one that represents all the government employee unions. Um, they're demanding 14% salary increases per year. Per year. So these are the same folks who are now saying, you know what? Um, we're not going after the billions of dollars that we erroneously, our mistake, paid out. And you know what? If you're not going to give us the pay raises, we're going to strike around tax return time. People should be to borrow a phrase from Franco that he had had his he had his headline the other day about this. People should be mad. They should be really angry at the federal government for a million reasons. And this is one of them. And if it's not making you mad enough, just remember a few years ago, you guys, you guys, you and I were talking about this off air. CRA is really keen on shaking down teenage girls who work at malls. So before COVID madness hit, uh, I think it was about four or five years ago. Remember when they were going after girls or whoever, teenagers who worked at the mall, if they got a discount on clothes, say you're working at bootlegger or a clothing store and you get 25% off your top or your pants, they were going after them for taxable benefits. And most of them, most of them have to wear the clothes that they sell at the store yeah. to work. <laughs> I know. It's just so gross. So they're going after minimum wage kids or minimum wage people 
yeah. for the tiny little, yeah, you know, five bucks off, six bucks off the clothes that they're wearing. Or say I, I used to work at AW. I worked there for three years, three months, and two days. <laughs> and I got not that I was counting. And so I got 50% off my teen burger. <laughs> so back then they would have come after me for that buck fifty-two. Not kidding. And on a bigger scale, they were going after waitresses. Yeah. Like, seriously, you guys will shake down a sale, uh, you know, a traveling salesman or a tradesman who's driving to his job site and you will nitpick every nickel that he's charging for mileage to get to his site. These are tradesmen. By the way, the NDP did nothing on that. I tried to get their attention yeah. on it. Reaching, you know, over, not a word, not yeah, a word, care. contact. Not interested. I contacted headquarters. I contacted people I used to know from my job on Parliament Hill. I said, dude, you're, they're going after pipeline workers, truckers, like welders. Like these are your people, right? Crickets. Yeah. So the CRA will go after those folks. But when it comes to following up on their own, own work where they erroneously spent our money, apparently they're just not interested. And if we don't give into their ridiculous wage increase demands, they're planning on striking at tax time. So folks, you should be mad. If you're mad, I'm sorry, but you should be mad. Take that anger and channel it into an email to your premier because then your premier will chew on Justin Trudeau's like. Don't email the prime minister. There's no point. Email your premier. Yeah. And your MP. And, and ask your MP. them, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. You know, what happens if you can't get with kids? <laughs> what happens if you can't get your way with dad? Go to mom. Right. <laughs> Right. That's the work, truth. <laughs> work the angle, right? So go, go to your premier, go to your MP. It's got way more clout. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although my kids know, um, go to their dad and don't even ask me because I refuse to be emotionally manipulated by them. And he's, he, you know, he's not around all the time because he's away working. So he's more inclined to say yes. And I am the voice of no. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I'm the heavy for sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, Chris, I could clearly talk to you all day. Um, but uh, why don't you let people know how they can both see the work that you're doing with the CTF, but also support the work that you're doing um, because you're doing important work to hold these politicians to account on behalf of the people, which is, I think, some of what we do over here at Rebel News, too. You sure do. And we really thank you. Uh, I know a lot of our supporters watch your show all the time. They watch Ezra's show all the time. And so thank you for that. Uh, folks, you can go to our website, taxpayer.com. What I love about it is that there's a million petitions there. So sign up on whatever hits your fancy. That could be against C11. So we're fighting that because you should be able to express yourself like we are right now on the interwebs. Um, it could be opposing the gun grab, right? Because we don't want to waste money and you shouldn't seize people's private property. Um, there's also defund the CBC, defund the media. You can sign those things, right? Um, because the government shouldn't pay journalists. Don't care if you're right wing, left wing or a space alien. Government shouldn't be paying journalists. So go to our website, taxpayer.com, sign up on those petitions. And what that does is we now know you're interested in that topic and we will make you part of our army. And so the next time that we all want to email blast the premier or a member of parliament or a caucus member, you're on that list and you'll help us achieve those wins. So just head over there. You can also get swag if you're a big nerd and you want to wear swag. And I do. <laughs> where I'm working on um, another CBC one. We had one and it was kind of Christmas based. Yeah. Um, but we're going to try to find one that is less seasonal. Nice, 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 nice. <laughs> Chris, thanks so much. Um, hopefully we can have you back on in a couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. This has been great. Thanks, Sheila. Thank you. Well, friends, 
we've come to the portion of the show where we invite your viewer feedback. You see, unlike the mainstream media, I actually care about what you think about the work that we do here at Revel News and the interviews that I conduct. And it's a reason why I give out my email address. Right now, Sheila at rebelnews.com. Put gun show letters in the subject line. And who knows, you might just have your letter, question, comment, story idea, viewer feedback read on air. Now, today's letter comes from someone someone who prefers to use the pseudonym PlumDuff69. So I will respect that. And the viewer feedback is about the show that I did last week with Ben Nelson Creed. He's a former professional wrestler turned teacher turned author. I think that's the right order, but the last two might be reversed. And he wrote a book that's a take on Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life about what professional wrestling can teach you about achieving your personal potential in real productive ways and not just making you, I guess, better at guerrilla pressing your enemies in the squared circle. Uh, I've included a link to the book in last week's show notes. So if you go back and click there, you'll it'll take you right to the Amazon page for Ben's book. So Plum Duff 69, which is definitely not your real name because I do know your real name, but we won't say it, writes, Hi, Sheila. I really enjoyed your interview with Ben Nelson Creed. I'm so sorry to say I never saw him wrestle. Yeah, me too. But that battling bard is a hell of a gimmick and he's a hell of a handsome man. Yeah, he is in spite of his career in wrestling, right? Um, And yeah, the battling bard is a pretty, it's a pretty good gimmick, right? And it, you know, it's sort of a little bit about him in real life. Um, And it's, I think a less shallow take on the genius. Remember the genius from <laughs> WWE days? Um, it, it's I think the battling bar is a little bit more developed than the genius was, who's just some obnoxious uppity nerd. Anyway, Plum Duff continues. I too am a fan of 80s wrestling and a fan of heckling. I'm a, oh gosh, I'm a I'm a great heckler. <laughs> I am. Um, I don't know if this is a good or bad thing about me, but I'm a really, really good heckler. Actually, Adam Sosa and I were really good hecklers. And Tariq El Naga, he's a great heckler too. He's a good friend of the Rebel and one heck of a heckler <laughs> at a wrestling event. Anyway, uh, Plum Duff writes, I always liked the heels. My favorite of all time is Rowdy Roddy Piper. Hang tight here, guys. Um, I've never given a sneak peek behind the scenes in the studio here. Uh, but as you can well imagine, it's full of trinkets and artifacts of my interests. So I have like my Rebel News awards and things people have given me, mementos that I get when I'm out in the field, books and pictures of the history of Alberta, particularly like miners and farmers and people who worked in the oil patch from the very early days. Naturally, stuff from my kids. There's a lot of religious stuff in here too. Um, things I've collected while I'm again, out in the field doing work. So lanyards from events that I've covered. There's Ghostbusters stuff, as regular viewers will know. That's my favorite, favorite movie because it's about, you know, the working man. Guys leaving academia, by the way, starting a small business and then having that small business destroyed by the Environmental Protection Agency. And then those small business entrepreneurs having to save the city from itself. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's everything (laughs) I hate about government and love about small businesses. Anyway, I also have lots of wrestling memorabilia, including a uh, WWE 
championship belt given to me by David Menzies. And some stuff from uh, my collection of 80s wrestling trinkets, including uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper stuff. So hang tight. All right. I have the Rowdy Roddy Piper Funko Pop from They Live. That sits uh, over on the shelf underneath the Ghostbusters stuff. And I have this bottle uh, of soda, which I don't drink, so I don't feel the compulsion to drink this. However, I will keep it forever for two reasons. It was given to be by my friend Mike Mayer from Freedom Honey. He's a great advocate for um, vulnerable kids, but also for veterans. And it is the Rowdy Roddy Piper, all out of bubblegum, bubblegum flavored soda. And that sits on the shelf and it's it's going to stay there forever. Put it in my coffin when they <laughs> bury me. So yes, I too am a fan of Rowdy Roddy Piper. Between him and Hacksaw Doug, Jim Duggan, it's uh, they're one and two, depending on the day, depending on how I'm feeling, where I might rank the two. Anyway, uh, Plum Duff's letter goes on. Uh, great interview, great guy. While I'm at it, a message from south of the border. Never, ever give up your guns. It's good advice. If by some weird chance you use the, you use this letter, please name me as Plum Duff 69 Guess what? I did. <laughs> well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And as always, remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think. <laughs>